0: Hello, I'm Colin Baker, known to my friends as Old Sixie, the Sixth Doctor in that wonderful series, Doctor Who. And I am proud to tell you you are listening to me. (laughs) And also Gallifrey Public Radio. The radio that brings you everything from Doctor Who to Rhino Wants a Wife, which is a book written by Lucy Baker, my daughter. It's a children's book, You can get it from fbspublishing.co.uk and it's about a rhinoceros who is lonely and wants a wife and it's illustrated by my other daughter's boyfriend. And it's a bargain. Buy it!
1: This is Gallifrey Public Radio, a weekly podcast dedicated to positive enjoyment of Doctor Who. We travel through classic and new episodes, explore the extended universe, and play a few games from time to time. We do discuss news, content that has been officially released, and the occasional interesting rumor, but we'll warn you before anything considered spoilers comes up.
2: Welcome to episode 494 of Gallifrey Public Radio, where it doesn't matter if you're hundreds of years old, you can still have a midlife crisis. I'm Julie. I'm Kier. And I'm Haley. And this week, the sixth Doctor is at the controls of his
0: first story, but in no way in control of himself, in The Twin Dilemma.
2: The Doctor's sixth regeneration is unstable, prone to fits of irrational behavior, and he chooses to spend his time with Perry as a hermit on the barren Titan III. There, they rescue the last of an Earth squadron who are wiped out by the forces of a villain named Mestor while they are attempting to rescue twin mathematical geniuses.
1: The Doctor recognizes the kidnapper to actually be Asmael, his respected old teacher from Gallifrey, whom he thought had retired to the planet Jaconda. So it seems that Mestor, the super slug, has the twins on Jaconda, which is now a wasteland, and he plans to use them to calculate a... Massive planetary disaster that will spread his destructive species across the universe.
0: It's tough for the Doctor to help, though, when his erratic behavior has everyone doubting his faculties and even questioning their own safety around the unhinged Time Lord. You seem to forget, Perry. I'm not only from another culture, but another planet. I am, in your terms, an alien. I'm therefore bound to have different values and customs former self was polite enough. At such a cost. I was on the verge of becoming neurotic. We all have to repress our feelings from time to time. I, I suggest you get back into the habit.
2: And I would suggest, Perry, that you wait a little before criticizing my new persona.
0: You may well find it isn't quite as disagreeable as you think. Well I hope so.
2: Whatever else happens. I am the doctor.
1: pride ourselves on finding the positives in pretty much all Doctor Who content. It is challenging at times, but we can always find those little nuggets, right? Um, This has been pretty systematically lambasted for decades as being one of the poorest scripts, Um, the, the quality of the story itself, which is really unusual because it was bookended with um, Caves of andrasani which normally gets extremely high ratings as just the story immediately previous to this. So I know it's easy for us to kind of descend into the, um, the whack-a-mole of didn't like this, didn't like this, didn't like this. But what would be some things that we would say, you know what, that's a redeeming quality. That's, you know, that's something that can be drawn from this.
2: I can jump in here. One of the things I did really enjoy, especially once I realized after the first set of credits, was guest star Kevin McNally. Hmm. This is the first time we see him in Doctor Who, which we've seen him more recently. But I started to pay more attention to his character, Hugo, and was looking for where that face turns into the Kevin McNally face that I do recognize. (laughs) Really
1: unrecognizable, right?
2: Yeah. He's got the mole on the side, but his face is so much thinner. (laughs) But once you start paying attention to the voice and a little bit of his actions, you get it. And I Mm. really appreciated seeing him. I don't know where this falls in his entire... Work, body of work oh, but it yeah. has to be early on
1: well, sure i mean he looked like he was in his early 20s at best yeah.
0: yeah and for those of you listening while you're driving who can't check imdb he played Eustatius jericho in the flux season
1: and we loved him yes and we knows. will miss him and set a glass out for him at the table regularly yes. uh but but yeah so that was that was kind of cool to see i Personally, I like. There were some technical things from. Uh, I, I get hung up on the technicalities. Uh, I do like the fact that the changes to the opening and closing credits uh, look at a little bit more polished. You know, it's always enjoyable.
2: Doctor's uh, face moved a little.
1: Yeah, yeah, little, little smile there, um, and I do like the fact that there was uh, some some interesting play with what was happening within scenes. Little little Easter eggs, like all of the costumes in the costume room, the wardrobe room, you know, seeing pieces of, oh, there's Pertwee's coat, there's, you know, there's um, uh, Troughton's, you know, fur jacket, there's uh, Tegan's, one of Tegan's outfits was hanging in the background, things like that.
2: that, Those scenes are always so fun to see what's there, pick it out, and then also sometimes to go back and look and see what could they have done? Could they have picked something different or... What stories went with that coat? Because it's there for a reason. that We haven't seen it on screen, but somebody somewhere wore that. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things I always like in Doctor Who is when the companion gets their legs under them enough to stand up to the doctor. So we got Mm -hmm. to see Perry doing that in this episode. And the doctor probably made it a little easy for her by being completely unhinged. Um, So she knew that she was in the right, she could stand up to him. But it's nice to see when the companion comes into their own enough to have the confidence to do that.
1: Yeah, it's true. And I think from Bryant's performance, I mean, she wasn't given the best script in the world to work with. It's it's kind of a um, – at, at times, it was, it was inconsistent in its dialogue. I think uh, uh, Sayward even admitted that it was kind of a half-baked script idea that somehow made it to – to this form, um, it, it, it had gone through a lot of delays in the rights uh, in the in the writing from the original writer, including a number of excuses as to why it wasn't ready in time, and got dumped into Eric Sayward's lap to try and make something out of it, pretty much the last minute. But we've got scenes where Perry is trying to step in and remind the doctor this is not who you are or or what you're demonstrating right now are not qualities that that make you the 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 pillar of of respect and admiration that you seem to think that you are but then you you flip that coin really quickly and you've got her being utilized as, oh, uh, the, 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 master says, you know, I, her I'll keep because she's beautiful and will be my companion. And then she's become the object again. So that inconsistency is kind of hard to stomach. Really. Um, I do think the, I liked the that basic premise within the plot line of having okay, we're going to move some planets around, and and I almost bought into the we're going to spin these two smaller planets around the larger one, and they're going to become our um, our nurseries to grow our food and and so forth. And you thought okay, you know what, for for, for see to your pants sci-fi, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll take that one.
2: I'll say it does look good on a diagram, yeah. blown up on the wall, and you could really get the feeling of, hey, this guy's a professor or a teacher of some kind yeah. because <laughs> of the way that they zoomed in. He pulled it down. He had a down. model
1: that he could pull down from yeah, the ceiling. Yeah, pulled it down, nice and then
2: he turned around, and they went close in on his face, and it was one of those moments of him looking like, okay, class, and you know everybody just goes, slides into their seats a little bit, puts their head <laughs> <hat> on their <laughs> arm or I don't want to do like this that. again. I-, I did like that as... Reason from his perspective, something mm-hmm. that made it somewhat plausible for why he needed the twins. Mm-hmm.
1: I just wish we got that earlier. Yeah, I felt that that little factor of having these little prodigies that could do these equations that had an impact on like the, the, these these the, those little mentions they were making back in episode one of the fact that the dangers of what it was that they were calculating. Like, oh, okay, well, what's going on with this? And then we don't get a chance to bring that to any sort of fruition until a full 60 or so minutes of screen time later.
2: I honestly thought it was going to be just something where some calculation they put into the world just changed the base set of math. (laughs) That's the way they were describing it. Like it was this huge... Thing. Not, oh no,
1: we've gone to base six worlds.
2: Well, right, like not just for the planets in that system for mm-hmm. what their needs were, but the entirety of the universe. Yeah. And I kept waiting for the doctor to realize oh, someone has changed math, and yeah. then have to go and solve the entirety of maths. All right. But that that's not how it played out. So I'm a little sad.
1: That's true. That's true. the The idea of the um. Th- <laughs> The doctor's mental state. Um, while I completely understand what they wanted to try to push forward. There was this this conversation going on uh, among uh, JNT and, and some of the principal creators at the time to say, should we do something that's sort of, uh, you know, this big bombastic, here's the new Doctor, have a wild adventure, um, or should it be something where it's more cerebral and that regenerations uh, don't always work well? Because they've tinkered with that before. They've had rocky regenerations for a little while, but sometimes it was like, in the fifth, it was physical and not mental, right he had to go into this into the z room for a while uh and get himself physically prepared um to to do anything in this case we've got this this fracture, and while I really really enjoy what uh, Colin was able to do with like taking whatever the whatever the script handed him I mean, at times it it was like. He's reading little pieces of monologue, and then there's times when he's uh, he's just babbling, and there's times when he's you know he's cackling and cowering in a pile of clothing, and you know and he's putting a hundred percent into it. But I didn't, I don't know if I'm really pleased with the with the way that instability was always presented for the audience's benefit. And that flipping back and forth, Julia, you and I were talking a little bit offline about this, and lower, where I would think that a a, a more youth-oriented audience, you know, your your teenagers or so, that might be really really dialed into the show, and you're trying to give them something that says, oh, you know, the doctor's of a, a fractured mind. You almost want a Jekyll and Hyde kind of you can see the switch flip, and if you don't have that indicator that oh, the doctor's gone into his manic mode or what have you, then it's just it's really really tough to follow at times to as to what we're dealing with or who we're dealing with
2: it was sometimes in the middle of a sentence or in the middle of a realization about something where all of a sudden he would i'm thinking specifically of when he turned on perry he's talking about her name and the etymology of it and then all of a sudden calls her evil and there was yeah no physical change except for he started to rush towards her Mm -hmm. for me that was very jarring
1: yeah, and distressing. This is, there, there are some aspects of this episode that I genuinely do not enjoy, and, and seeing that sort of attack is, is one of them.
0: Yeah, well, we've had regenerations before where the Doctor didn't quite have all their faculties in place yet, but never one where it made the Doctor aggressive and dangerous, which I think is part of what makes this so off-putting um, for this regeneration story, is that we feel like the Doctor's mm-hmm. not safe to be
1: around. Right. And it's even called out in the script as he believes himself to be fundamentally incapable of doing it. And she's like, I just watched you do it. You, you knocked me to the floor.
2: And it takes him three times of denying it before he finally realizes she's on the floor. She's clearly in a panic state and is reacting in a defensive mode Mm -hmm. after he says, I would never do that. But... Clearly, we saw it. Yeah.
1: So I just wonder if, if having something where it was, granted, it could have been a little bit more kind of panto in its nature. So you, you see him suddenly you know, shift physical position and his eyes go all weird. That I'm not asking Colin Baker to actually change his performance, but I'm wondering whether there could have been something more in the script that would have shown that he was wrestling with that d- uh, d- uh, duality? It wasn't even duality. It was just this, this inconsistency, this sort of shifting plates.
2: Even something as simple as the angle of a camera shot. Mm-hmm. So put mm-hmm. it always the good side is from the left and the bad side is the right or his POV or something like that because then you get these are my rage moments or these are my good moments. And I, I know that makes it more difficult and you have to block and plot that a little bit more, but it would help us as viewers understand what we're experiencing instead of it took me a a while to realize, oh, this is just going to be off the handle (laughs) whenever it fits the what he's saying and his attitude. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, that was one of the most difficult things because of the shift from his previous personality into this one and that he, throughout, still had the justification of, I'm I'm not human, I'm different from you, you have to realize that we have different values at our core, and that he just kind of stood firm with that, said, I'm not going to be nice, I'm not going to be kind, that didn't work well for me, so throw it out the window, try this other whatever we're getting. We don't know where he'll actually land. I hope it's not as abrasive- and manic but i we don't know
1: right i know that baker and bryant were putting everything that they could into what they were provided from the script i feel like the inconsistency of the script was was their detriment so when they try and do things like they have that final conversation and and she's She's flat out telling him, "I I don't a hundred percent trust you," and he effectively is saying, "Your trust isn't isn't a factor here. This is this is who I am. This is how things are going to be." But hey, I am definitely the doctor, and they share this little weird half smile moment. And like, am I supposed to be content with
2: this? So I will say, Jacob watched these, and his reaction after this was that they still had that moment how or why did they still get to have the smiles at the end? Okay. That says a lot. Yeah. When you've got that reaction to all that they just went through, how do they still get that moment?
1: Yeah. If a six-year-old can can question, why are they still smiling at the end of this big (laughs) argument? All right. Okay.
2: I mean, that, that was
0: kind of my next point, is the doctor makes a point of saying to Perry that, of course, his behavior is alien because he is an alien. But... This is not like our first doctor. This is not our first time at this rodeo. So why does this doctor seem to have forgotten all of his centuries of experiences with humans and how those experiences have humanized him or softened some of the rough edges? Um, And maybe that comes in future episodes. You know, a doctor's regeneration story tends to have the most spiky edges to later be smoothed off. But- It seems like he's coming into this without the experience that we've seen over the course of 21 seasons so far.
1: So I wonder then, is there... You have to wonder what that conversation was. You know, when Turner sat down with Baker post-casting and said, okay, here's where we're going to be going with this because I want you to have this edge on you. I want you to be confrontational uh, and at times, sort of bombastic, because X, Y, Z, and and we're we're waiting to see what the result of that is emerge through the through the scripts. And the only thing that we really have to go on right now, to to your point, Haley, is, is his line about when Perry pushes back and says, "This is not who you were. You used to be kinder. You used to be gentler." And and he basically comes back and says, "Yeah," and it nearly caused the, the the detriment of us all, I was too kind, too forgiving, too soft.
2: So why do we have to overcorrect and go all the right, way to the other right. side where we're not taking any kind word mm-hmm. to any other being around us? Yeah. Well, and, and it's been a
0: couple of years since we did this episode, but we had a podcast episode about regenerations and how each new regeneration is kind of a response to the weaknesses or flaws or unmet needs of a previous regeneration So Mm -hmm. that's, I mean, this was one of the ones I couldn't comment on when we did that episode because I hadn't experienced the doctor on either side of that regeneration. But you can see now how there is an overcorrection from being a kind, gentle doctor who was not able to do the hard, necessary things.
1: Yeah, exactly right.
2: I just have hope that some humanity will sneak back in there. And (laughs) there was one line where he said something like, what on earth do you think you're doing? Sir, you have it in your nomenclature. You must become <laughs> a little more <laughs> yeah.
1: closer to humanity. You said what on Earth. You could have said what on insert any other what planet on here. What literally any planet. <laughs>
2: and I know that there have been instances where the doctor will throw out random other planets to say, well, what on this or mm-hmm. that? So I, I think it, there's hopefully hope for yeah. some of that still.
1: So... I'm sure anyone who does a bit of research goes out and, and immediately starts, as we as we said at the beginning of the conversation, immediately starts seeing all the lambasting of the story. It It's there. And a lot of it has justification, you know, performances not being necessarily always that strong or, or what have you, or it's a humanoid slug monster with little feet uh, that has to be helped upstairs and so on. It's, this is... This is uh, at, at one point referred to by by RTD as the beginning of the end. He actually called this story the beginning of the end for Classic Who, uh, which was wild. But we get something really, really important out of the middle of this, and that is an understanding of a really complicated Doctor persona that we're interested to try and figure out and grapple with. So maybe this very rocky start allows us to have enough questions to 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 want to dive further rather than pushing us necessarily away as dedicated Whovian viewers it's now something to say, all right i i need to i need to figure out why this is the way this is this this you can't leave it like this so d- what does that mean for, <laughs> i'll I'll dare i'll dare ask the question what does this mean for rewatchability and recommendability
2: i would say that you have to have some of this to understand the regeneration process. If you are doing a get from one to the other, but I I would not rewatch it. Mm. So it depends on what the purpose of recommendations are for. Mm. If you want the primer of good Doctor Who and solid stories, et cetera, I'd say skip this one. If you're looking for I need to know how the History of the show has progressed and all of those beats where things happened, this has to be included. I agree
0: with that exactly. I was going to say, I think this goes in like the essential episodes list, Um, but also like not necessarily a enjoyable watch all the way through. So once you've got the nuts and bolts that you need from this, not recommended for rewatch.
1: You could probably gain most of what you want to present to somebody to complete their fuller understanding. You could grab clips and give them, you know, take the take the first five minutes of the first episode, take maybe the third episode because that's where you, the actual plot gets developed. And maybe the final 10 or something like that of the last episode.
2: And I don't know how much the relationship between Perry and the Doctor suffers or jumps off from this point point. and so if you ever have references in the rest of her remainder of her time as companion to either their beginning or oh you've grown or any of that you need this to know and understand that but if they just kind of brush over it and they move on and keep developing the doctor and how perry reacts to him then i don't think you necessarily have to come back to this story if he smooths off and you get just the bit of correction but maybe not this far over the edge then i'd say you you'd be all right just to experience some of his hopefully better written episodes
1: true Happy news, happy news, happy news. And it comes from uh, the marketing department that is working overtime to hand us uh, just enough, just enough. Uh, The new trailer runs, what, about a a minute, maybe? It's real short. And and that
0: includes like 15 seconds of David Tennant talking at the end about other videos to watch.
2: And some of the music carrying through the end as well. You, you get past him and still there's a bit where you, mm-hmm. you're you just kind of living in the moment yeah. of Always having... watch
1: to the end. Always watch to the end.
2: It makes you want to start it over, though, because that's the intro as well. Mm-hmm. That's good.
1: So I don't know that we necessarily... Other than what this trailer is really, really intended to do, which is to give us the names of the three specials that we'll be getting this fall, it doesn't necessarily provide us too much more as far as like little details it gives us a uh, a little bit better look uh, at some of our uh our warriors uh, it gives us a really good look at uh beep the meep getting poked in the eye so you get up nice and close on that
2: we get a full range of Donna emotion which is expected
1: yeah we get a really good look uh, at uh, Yasmin Finney as uh as a the Rose Tyler character S- for who that is? And um, a
2: teeny little glimpse of some dancing in the streets yes, with top hats yeah. on. There's I know fancy my dancing going on. Where Take I
1: away. don't, I don't know. Is is Neil Patrick Harris actually taller than David Tennant? Because David Tennant's a tall drink of water to begin with.
2: I I think MPH I do is a tall guy too, though. I think that he is also tall. He's got to
1: be ridiculously tall then. I'm going to have to go look some of this details up. I had never...
2: I Either never that realized. or the doctor wears flats and the <laughs> celestial toy maker uh, has heels and or uh, platforms of some kind, yeah. which mm-hmm. I think is a total possibility.
1: So there's one aspect of this that I'm a little curious about. I'm probably not alone on it, but when they sort of give us the what I would hope they've arranged the, the edits in the trailers to sort of Pair up with the presentations of the titles, right? They they give us a little bit of seeing um, the uh, these insectoid warriors in the streets, and, and that's the Star Beast, the crash. right? And, and the oh, the, yeah, the, the alien intro. alien ship saying, "Oh, yep. that's that's an that's a ship in distress," um, and, and a lot of a lot of Donna looking very uh, angrily confused. I love it when Donna is confused, but she's mad about the fact that she's confused because she doesn't want to be. That's the best kind of Donna. Uh, and they say, "Okay, this is the Star Beast."
2: And redacted.
1: Yeah. Then they get in this redacted stuff and all glitchy screens, and that's the wild blue yonder. Yeah. And then we get oh, we keep saying the toy maker, because prove us wrong. i just everybody's kind of assuming this is gonna be the case. And this very, you know, like jigsaw puppet thing popping up on screens, and that's the giggle, which I think is a brilliant title for <laughs> There was a time way back where it was believed that in the, in the classic era that all the titles that you saw for stories were done so that they were intended to be like Doctor Who and The, all right? So it was Doctor Who and the Caves of Androzani, Doctor Who and the the Time Meddler. This is Doctor Who and the Giggle. Yeah. Which is lovely. <laughs> I don't know what the heck it means.
2: Except that if the Giggle is a bad thing, it's so bad.
1: What if it's a time loop and it's no, the Giggle that's- loop? That's that's Moffat. Moffat working with Russell T. Davies again. It's not. Oh, okay. But.
2: On our family-friendly show, you can't talk about that. I can't talk about the geek loop. (laughs) All right.
1: Fair enough. Family-friendly show. So, so we've got a little bit more to look at we get a little bit more clear indication of what was hidden in those uh little teasers before and we got this one about donna saying seeing this face again and 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 so that's we're getting that clearer and clearer and it's just more time spent seeing them slowly working towards each other again we have gotten very very little footage of them standing i don't think we've gotten any footage of them standing in the same room Mm -hmm. did we was there one yeah, shot? Yeah,
2: the doctor starts to try to hide behind Oh, right, Donna's and she did you, right. Yeah. So that, but, was, that was the first of the trailers.
1: Were they in the same frame? Or yes. was it like a cutting perspective from one side to the other?
2: I don't yeah. remember, but I it was know. literally in the same room. Yeah. Where I'm pretty sure that like the mom starts, no, 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 no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Tenna's hair has become enormous. It's so big.
2: Don't be jealous.
1: I'm not jealous. I'm fascinated. I need to know what product is involved in this other than just glue, straight glue.
2: Regeneration
0: energy.
1: Ah, he's still sparking. Well, we're excited. We're getting closer and closer. It's May as we're recording right now. So that means we are mere months away. And that's not even like saying, oh, you can express any amount of time in the length of months. No, It's really just some months. It's not that far off. And we're going to get a lot more. Because I think, I think we'll have some SDCC presence and some another trailer for that. Maybe they
2: wouldn't drop this much now if there wasn't something in the plans between now and then.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: yay marketing!
1: <laughs> <laughs> so look at that marketing department go. It's amazing. Well, when we uh, reconvene for our next episode in a couple of weeks, we'll be getting back to our Sarah Jane rewatch. Uh, we are well into series three now. So the mad woman in the attic.
2: Just leave it at that. We'll yep. get there when we get there. Yep.
1: Nope. Saying nothing about it. Let it go. But until that time, this has been episode 494 of Gallifrey Public Radio. Until next time, this is Kier saying, the giggle leads to the snort leads to the spit take. So... 2023 special number four is called Doctor Who and the Spit Take.
2: This is Julie saying, just goes to show that the only thing more awkward than a math nerd is two math nerds.
0: <laughs> and this is Haley saying, yep, he is definitely a madman in a box.
1: We will see you next time. Z.
2: Cheers. Bye.
1: Thanks for joining us for another
0: episode of Gallifrey Public Radio. Want to keep the conversation going? You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or just send us a good old-fashioned email to feedback at gallifreypublicradio.com. You can also give us a phone call at 754-225-5477. That's 754-CALL-GPR, and you may hear your voice on a future episode of the show. Everything's got to end sometime, otherwise nothing would ever get started. Join us next week for a brand new episode. Jacob Hansen, Gallifrey Public Radio, is copyright 2023. We'll see you next time.